Hello, hello, everyone. This is your host, Akil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SAS District. In today's episode, we'll be talking about some simple ways of building a com- how com- building a community can impact your SaaS startup. Today, we have our guest, Cherish Santoshi, joining us. Cherish is a founding member and head of community at Tao Labs, an API authentic service. He is specialized in strategy and management and is currently managing programs for over 4 million developers across the globe and has worked for many companies, including Google, Microsoft, Amazon, and the government of India. So Cherish is also an advocate advocate of change and believes that communities can change the world with innovation and constant progress. He is enthusiastic about building and expanding tech communities, as well as supporting technical education, which we'll talk about today. So welcome, Cherish. Super excited to have you on the SAS District Show today. Thanks, Akil. Thanks for having me here. Um, honored to be here. Looking forward to watch that. So is it, I just want to understand, is it Savo Labs? Is that my pronouncing it properly? Just to, before yeah. we get into it? Savo Labs yeah. is fine. That's right. Savo yeah. Labs? All right, perfect. So I'd love to hear, you know, tell us a little bit, what, what, what do you guys do over there? Why is it important to use an user and authentication tool in a business and, and maybe just in our everyday life? Sure. So currently what happens is that every time you log into an app, I don't know if that's still relevant in India or relevant in Canada, but a lot of companies in India still prefer to choose to send you an OTP, right? And that's something, uh, the one-time password or actual password is something that we still use to log into any app. Now, the problem with that is sending an OTP is extremely ineffective. Uh, The success rate of an OTP is 72%, which means 30% of the OTPs never arrive. Or if they do arrive, they actually fail because of the limited constraint of the time to fill in your OTP and go into the side, right? Now, this becomes extremely infuriating, not only for the product manager, but as a business as a whole. Imagine you're running a financial, um, a, a fintech app, right? Imagine the revenue you lose because of 30% people could not onboard, right? The bounce rate, just if somebody lands on your website, and even if you're not doing something which is, you know, fintech or like impacts, you know, like millions of dollars, even if you're selling like an online t-shirt store, right? No matter where you are, anybody who reaches, uh, reaches you and finds you uh, and lands on your website will realize that these guys will not onboard your uh, onboard your product because you sent an OTP and it was never delivered. So they'll just try it and then eventually out of frustration, they'll just give it away, right? Now, okay, so what's the solution here? The solution is to authenticate people using the most frictionless way possible, right? So, mm-hmm. okay, so if, and you would see that anybody who owns a, um, owns a phone probably unlocks it using their thumbprint, retina, face finger, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 160 times a day. So it's just almost intuitive. It's like a second nature. Now, imagine if you could authenticate, log into any app or website using just like just like that, right? Using your face, your thumbprint, your retina, or just pin pattern, face unlock, whatever you may call it. If that it was as easy as unlocking your phone, you will you will not second guess logging into an app, right? In, right. The bounce rate will like just completely sort out. In fact, if you um, in, uh, if you use Savos and authentic authentication uh, Sav authentication and passwordless OTP less uh, authentications, you'll realize that the success rate, rate uh, from seventy two jumps to ninety nine point eight six, and that's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and an OTP costs you um, one rupee uh, and eighty pesos to one rupee, and uh, and a SDK like this and an API using Savo it can cost you as low as five pesos. So that's ninety five percent save cost saved. So as product managers happy because bounce rate has uh, reduced, uh, the owner is happy because or everybody's just logging in as you know, not second guessing anything, not uh, not deteriorating the overall situation, and the cost is also saved by ninety five percent. So you know it mm. helps everybody. It helps the business by improving their UX, uh, their bounce rate, and also their cost. 
Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I, I I get absolutely frustrated when I see it, and especially when I go back into an app that I've been using for a while, and they're like, "This is now mandatory. You have to put it in." I'm like, and then I don't get the the text, and I'm waiting, and I keep hitting reset, reset, and then they're like, try to call me, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, this is this is just super <laughs> frustrating." Yeah, so I understand that yeah. frustration very well. Um, if, if, if if I'm a product manager and I'm thinking of using something like this, and you know, building it and thinking about my roadmap. Um, should I be thinking this from day one or is this something, you know, I can mm. implement at any time? Like at what point is this the, the right solution for me? Yeah. So fake question, right? Like we asked our community, um, uh, you know, our community of like serious developers that do you think authentication before you build a product or do you think authentication right after you built it? And the answers we've got were like both, you know, there was a very 55, 45 split between either or. So mm. it doesn't really matter like whether you realize the authentication is needed or not. I think sometimes you kind of add the auth layer when you realize that your business needs it and the traction, the volume starts to grow up. And some people are like, I'm building it to scale right from day one, right? So I want auth as the first thing. So even auth happens at right at the first login activity, the homepage, right? Mm -hmm. And so the minute somebody thinks of an homepage, they're like, ah, this is where they will log in. This is where the OTP will come in. And Sequential thinkers, lateral thinkers will think of it all right from the get-go. People yeah. who flow and think of the overall vision and then fix out the minor details will probably look at it later. But either way, it's an SDK which you can integrate at any stage of your life or any mm. stage of the product. Yeah, the latter of what you you uh, described is probably somebody like me. Think of the big vision and then how to you know break it in later. And uh, but I think security is super important. I think you have to think about that from the beginning. I guess that's the whole kind of purpose of this is building security and uh, you know protecting the users, right? It's just just a simpler way and a frictionless way to to, to implement that. Um, and you know, there's, there's this quote you mentioned, which is on your site, it's the only tool developers would crave for. What is, what do you what do you mean by that? And how does that dif how do you guys differentiate? What's your di differential advantage of you know the rest of the guys out there? Right. So, I mean, um, look at it this, right? No matter which, what stage of a developer you are, you will eventually try to build a product. You'll not only write, I mean, you want to be thinking of the product as a whole, right? And, uh, and you would want to kind of find a way that your product improves in all the metrics that it matters. So let's say Akhil um, has an app, right? Akhil has an app where all his podcasts are there. Now, Akhil doesn't want anybody to download that app and not go through it. Right. And then uninstall it by realizing, oh man, I never used it anyway. Why keep it on my phone? Right. So what Akil would do as a content creator, as a and as a developer, as a product manager, as an owner of the businesses will make sure that anybody who downloads that app goes through at least experiences what he has to say. Now, even if that person uh like uses it for the first time, then uninstalls the uh, you know, changes phone, uninstalls the app, downloads again, you don't want to send them the same OTP, give them the same experience the first time you gave where you give them passwords and OTPs, and then they have to go through the same process. Then how many times have we, uh, in general, reset our password? Do you, do you know, on an average, people uh, have 26 passwords that they have to remember to use the common apps that they have to? Uh, imagine if everything was just one password and that can't be copied, which is just you, right? Mm -hmm. Your pin, pattern, face, and log, and just everything on your phone works seamlessly. Um, if that was the case, right? A developer, uh, no matter which app he's building, a developer who's building a platform like OS, like uh, Android or iOS, or like man OTP, like um, uh, original equipment manufacturers, right? These people who build phone like uh, OnePlus, Xiaomi, iPhones, right? Who have like the entire uh, grid just logged into one one OTPs or one, like one single way of authenticating. All right. of them would want to use something like that because it's seamless, passwordless throughout mm -hmm. uh, your ecosystem. So. If you if you're a developer, no, whether we like it or not, you're part of an ecosystem which is by run by which is being run by a product manager, and they want to make sure that just like a keyword, 
that everybody logs into uses their product as seamlessly as possible and hence they have to think of auth as a solution so and that's why i think savo comes into play like really perfectly no so it's the, it has a huge stamp and it's improving like increasing day by day when uh, market when it, you know founders and vcs are just penetrating into marketplaces which never had the internet right mm-hmm. uh, which where they're the first time experience in the internet this is the first time that they'll download an app and even try and log in right and if you're if you're creating a frictionless way of for them to log in well nothing like it you know you'll probably win the long term race uh, right. so that's why you know you it's, it's important to build that way and use yeah, Savo for that reason so, so right now i could see it on you know my phone here you know i use the, the you know fingerprint id uh, but you know, you still get the, that annoyances from you know using an actual PC, I think, or, or you know, computer desktop. Uh, but, you know, obviously, Apple has come up with you know Touch ID on their their, their mm-hmm. laptops. But do you see anything coming up? Um, you know, some kind of solution there, with, you know, that that would work on on a computer side, unlocking in. Yeah, um, the computer side, of course. So, I mean, um, so let's look at how authentication happens, right? Yeah. So anytime I have to verify you are a key, I will I will verify it using three ways. One, I will I will verify something that you are. Like I will ask, I will validate using one of these factors: something that you are, something that you have, or something that you know. So mm. passwords are something that you know, right? right? And keys, like a, a physical key, think of any way where you prove that you are a key. Is some you have used any of these factors? So a key, like a public, you know, doesn't it can be physical key or an encryption key or whatever, is something that you have, right? And the third is something that you are, and these are biometrics. So uh, even if you change platforms, even if you change devices, one of these three plat, one of these, or in fact more one, more than one, uh, would be used to actually authenticating the to, to authenticate right. you, right? right? So it could if you're using just one, it's single a single factor authentication. If you're using two, then it's two FA. If you're more than two, then it's MFA, multi-factor authentication. So mm-hmm. regardless which device you're on, you would be using either of these. It depends on the um, on the equipment manufacturer, on the product manager, what they wanted to use. But of course, fingerprint will be a little dicey and kind of mm-hmm. annoying also to kind of mm-hmm. use it on a on a PC for sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else other than like Face ID, which uh, you know could probably be another one. Um, mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so before we get into the you know the community side, which is kind of the heart of this uh, you know episode, uh, and any you know for the people listening in, SaaS business owners, SaaS founders, SaaS product managers listening in, and maybe they want to learn how to use this and see the value of this. Can you share any maybe stories, you know, case study successes, or even challenges you've had working specifically with that that segment? You know, uh, which are SaaS companies? For sure. Um... All right, so I want to take you back to 2007 or 8, um, uh, where when Twitter uh, when Twitter actually started to boom, right? And I I want to draw that comparison very closely to how iPhone came into existence, right? Early 2000s. Now, when iPhone came into existence, uh, and if you look at mobile share like market share, then um, LG, Motorola, um, Dell, and I think one Nokia, these guys own like 94 percent of the market share and I Apple own measly 4% in like um in in computers and just almost zero in mobile. Now what happened? Uh how did iPhone explode out of nowhere and everybody wanted to kind of uh you know just jump onto that. So what Apple identified was not through the physical device but something called App Store. Now App Store was a was a um, was a platform uh, where community kind of when the community of developers came and built built something right now what happened is that uh, a lot of apps which people so if imagine if you're a Nokia user in early 2000s so if and if you if you have to watch YouTube you will have to go to Google write YouTube and then go go through it right and everybody realized that YouTube is something that that everybody wants as a user so a community of developers 
were made to bring on uh, Apple Store. They were incentivized because everybody who downloads the app, they get an incentive, right? So the community was onboarded. They they identified uh, they identified micro uh, needs or micro requirements of the community of the users, and they started building towards that. Now, when you engage the community in a certain way, when you find developers who are going to build not just for uh, for the users, but that users are going to use that platform to buy your product, right? And App Store became exclusively to iPhones, right? So people started building on um, on App Store. Users started to come on App Store to use as many products as they can. More users, more requirements, more requirements, more developers, more developers, more revenue, more revenue, more product, right? So hence, uh, the minute they saw this as a, as a uh, cycle, uh, they realized that this is something great happening here, right? And that's how it, that's how uh, you know app app store became famous and iPhone came into life, right? And exploded out of nowhere because this was this wasn't being done by anybody, right? This right. wasn't like a single unified platform. Twitter, for example, uh, is also also a very case study, very interesting case study. You'll realize that um, when Twitter came into life, uh, the way you would get startup news is was very scattered. You'd have to read three four newspapers, and and also. Even the information that you would seem like you would want to consume was probably vetted by and supposedly uh, credited as newsworthy or worthy of broadcasting to the public by giant media houses. So they were gatekeepers. And you, like Akil, as a, as a great, we could have great content, but he'll have to take it to the media house and the media house will probably try and, you know, do whatever with that content, then probably see fit and explode, like give it to somewhere. So what happened was that uh, Twitter chose that everybody can do it you know uh, they created in a very community platform that, uh, where, where everybody can come uh, share their content no restrictions within 140 uh, 140 uh, characters and the minute uh, people realize that people can tweet anything about it right with no uh, and reach multiple people without any gate gate checkers without any uh, gatekeepers without anybody trying to find if this content is worthy of putting out it exploded right so communities have always been the part of uh, improving SaaS companies' growth has always been and always mm. will be also because growth is like a multiplier which needs people's uh, attention and um, and you if if you can give if you can onboard more and more people to give that to your user base you're always going to win and I'll probably expand on how communities are evaluated maybe later in the in the in in the series sure. or yeah episode yeah. Sure. I mean, we can get into it. I mean, that's that's the whole value of having community rights. You know, having that attention, having that loyalty, building that that base. Mm-hmm. You can you know always communicate with and have without barrier, right? I think that's the kind of key there. Um, you know, from your side, maybe maybe we can chat about what you guys have done at, at Sawa. What are the strategies that you guys use to build you know, your communities and the, and those strong connections, and maybe um, tie that into how building communities can you know maintain and you know build that innovation and growth for startups as well. Sure. So if you're a SaaS founder, right? And if you're, if you're thinking of uh, what are communities, how do I get by it? How do I build it? How do I use it for my product's growth? Um, before you build a community, uh, let's, let's just understand that every community uh, has four factors that make it like worthy of like attention, right? Okay. The first is the size. Now, let's say you and I have a, a community of 100 people uh, and I have like a, a people of 50,000. Your image rate would be like maybe fifty thousand people is worth more, right? So let's just let's just bet on that. Okay. So the second, the size is probably the bigger is better. But now the problem with fifty thousand people is that maybe I'll not have as engaged people as you would, right? Because it's easier to engage hundred people than it is to fifty thousand. So it becomes like a it becomes like a 
in necessary uh, evil where as you grow you have to keep increasing your engagement in general so this that's that's the first factor that you pick a smaller size more engagement or a bigger size less engagement right the second factor is um quality now let's say um quality is defined by the value by the kind of people you have in the community right now what kind of people do you want now that's subjective now the if i'm if i'm building a a community for dog, like dog parents right i want people who care about dogs right so whenever you you build a product you have uh, an ideal user persona which means if i can have more people like this i am gold right so the more kind of people you have in your community the better it is because then you have exactly what you want and less of the fluff more of the material right so that's the quality the third thing is influence now let's say akil has a, a community of 100 and i have a community of 100000 but akil has a president of wama in out of those 100 well you win hands down <laughs> and i have nobody right so the kind of influential people that you have there their reach or uh, people living living uh, looking up to them their their pull in the market right that wins so that's the third thing uh cred is a great uh, you know example and i'll speak about it later how influence matters and the fourth um was spend capacity now people pay in more than um, more than money really they pay more um, they pay in more ways than just the money right mm-hmm. they pay with their time energy um, you know attention mind share and uh, every as, as a product owner as a saas founder you would want people to give you as much currency as they can whether it's time whether it's a uh, mind share or uh, energy effort whatever right so the more they can spend on your platform the better it is so whenever you building a community right you want to find all, like a good mix of all four of them and then use it for anything you can because as a founder you could either build a community and then launch a product or launch a product and then build a community you know depends who you are like as a lateral thinking or like the flow people right um so that being said right whenever you building a community you can use either of these these are four things that matter now um coming to coming to a second part of the question akil how we at savo have have realized this right whenever you have a dev tool or uh, whenever you have a dev uh, you know a developer first saas product now this is very specific to developers uh, found uh, developer companies or dev tools like atlassian uh, you know notion and things like that and whenever you are a founder of these saas companies what you would want to do is you have two ways to sell one you would speak to the ceo to the director and then they use it right the top down approach right where you speak to the most influential people they write you a check and then you through right uh now the problem with these things are and the not, the, the problem with that is that almost always whenever there is a dev tool they would want to first test it with their developers and then write the check right mm-hmm. so it's you will eventually will have to set up a demo call with a bunch of the developers the product managers and then make sure that convinces happens right the second thing is that um, you'll probably spend a lot of time now this is what we realized at savo one of the things that we realized early is that whenever you sell to a bigger company the average sales cycle is too huge right. now because bigger companies have a lot of requirements right you have to do x number of compliances you have to do n number of things and then the average life cycle would be 3 months 6 months or whatever now the smaller combined again because you have to give a round of demos to a bunch of these people now the bottom up approach is what we use here is that if you build a community of developers who know your product who've used your product and who've seen your product elsewhere being used by their friends almost every great developer and i say this arguably because a lot of people will disagree 
or will have a side hustle or a side project, right? That they use to experiment with a certain tool, the library, um, a certain uh, use case, a certain feature, certain UI UX. If they've used my my product in their side project, it becomes easier for them to vouch for it within their company, right? So imagine if I have hundred people, and out of those hundred people are twenty people for a startup that I that I'm potentially going to sell to. Um, these twenty people are already using my product and well versed with it. Have realized it's it's a uh, you know potential. It's easier for them to influence their directors, their decision makers, the person who's going to write them the check. Because the minute I go there, uh, go to that decision maker, they say, "Hey, here is my product. Maybe I want you to use that." And the the first question is like, "What does it do?" I'm like, "Your this does X Y Z things." Developers on your team are already using it. Why don't you ask for that? You know, and mm. maybe sometimes they will always give you a referral, right? So these. Uh, so the community of developers that you build, they use the bottom-up approach to kind of influence your decision maker and make the sales cycle a little smaller and get the entire, uh, you know, get the entire process faster, quicker, and improve your growth in general. So I understand it from that perspective, right? It's more of a, a tool to kind of, you know, influence, you know, get people to use it, kind of more product-led, uh, get involved with it, and then use them as a sales, you know, to to the, the decision makers. Uh, but I mean, if, if somebody is just starting off, how would you go about, you know, building it? Is that, is that the way you, you, you suggest them, you know, go the route of, you know, building the product, give a free uh, edition for, for people to play with? Or is there another way that you suggest people, uh, you know, take that approach in building it? So we do have 9,000 customers and uh, a lot of them were uh, like kind of um, reached out to an acquired using community as, as a route. So every product-led company should have a community-led growth as a multiplier. Right, because that's what it matters. If you have a product, well, how are you reaching to your potential customers? Um, one of the things that we do is we have a freemium model where we give five thousand authentications for any developer to kind of use, and we can increase it to ten thousand depending upon the scale of the product. Not just that, if you're a developer who's used Savo and and have created a mobile app which can which is ready to plug and play on Play Store, we also fund your a Google Store, Google Play Store, or App Store subscription fee. So to make sure that we enable you as a developer to test out your product as well as our authentication, uh, you know, checkpoint or as our authentication SDK, right? So um, if, if anybody is starting out and is just uh, looking out um, means to uh, and ways to authenticate their users, Savo is a great way to start because we give free authentications and free freemium models to whoever joins in. Got it. So you know, starting with that freemium model. Getting people to play with it, share it, you know, get mm-hmm. get get excited about it, and then that becomes your your sales engine to to the decision maker and, and your advocates. Um, yeah, and just just one thing to add, right? Mm-hmm. Like even if you're building with a newer stack, right? We have a GitHub, we have a thriving Discord community of five thousand plus people, right? Growing as we speak. So even if you if you get stuck somewhere during authentication or, or during um, you know just engineering effort or product effort. You can just drop a comment there and there are people just like yourself who are going to help you selflessly. Not just mm-hmm. that they'll spend your time, uh, like we, they'll come on video calls, audio calls with you to vet out these these efforts. And these are our developer advocates which came from the community organically because they believed in the vision so much. And they all used the product, they found it so useful that now they kind of help everyone who's trying to, uh, you know, who's trying to find a way to work with Savo. And did you do that? For, was that decision made from, from day one around building that, you know, Discord or... Uh, GitHub community and say, look, we, we need to do this because it's going to help us? Or was this later on, you yeah. know, was this decision made afterwards from, you know, realizations of, of, of support or people reaching out? No, one thing which I want to mention, Prabhat, who's the um, CEO, founder of uh, SAO, uh, one thing where, you know, credit, credit, due, uh, credit due where it's, uh, you know, credit given where it's due, 
uh, I was the eighth employee in the company and he realized that he needs community right from the get-go. So I joined last year and within a span of one year, we've grown from, uh, you know, two people to kind of eight, 50 plus people now. Mm-hmm. But that, that being said, uh, uh, I think like we started from day one itself. Uh, we realized that it's something that we need because it's a developer first product. And if right. you're not uh, making the developer, for, you know, first approach, you're doing something wrong. A lot of our effort, like a lot of our engineering efforts, a lot of our product features and pipelines are actually fueled by developers. So what we're going to build is not just, you know, decided by four people sitting in a room, but like a community who really uses it on a day in day out basis, who sees the use cases that we can't, who speaks to people that we don't, who will probably work for the companies that we will probably not have interaction with, who has engineers, friends, developers, circles that discuss things that doesn't happen in a four member product team meeting, right? So if they are designing your product roadmap, you know you're doing something right. You know, you obviously vet them based on your vision, but if they have the equal stakeholder, we take their product or we take their features, we build on them and we tell them, hey, we built something based on what you just said. Here is here is your incentive, and we want to we have like a round table with them where we discuss ideas and we make them equal uh, stakeholders of our product roadmap. It's open. Our product roadmap is mm-hmm. open for 5,000 people to come and see and look at, comment at any point in time. A quick note from our sponsors today, and we'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Contentfy.co, a premium podcast editing and repurposing agency for busy content creators just like you. Are you spending too much time editing your podcast and end up with no time to stay on top of also publishing, sharing, reaching new listeners, while also staying ahead of the latest podcasting trends? Don't worry, Contentfy has you covered. You no longer need to worry about spending hours editing and repurposing anymore. Just record your content and they handle the rest. Contentfy is an end-to-end podcast editing and repurposing agency to help you grow your podcast by editing and repurposing quickly, easily, and reliably to share all over your social networks. And if you haven't even noticed, I also use them for the SaaS District podcast. So join other busy content creators just like you and me and start saving time and money while you grow your podcast show. Visit contentfy.co to learn more today. Love it. So kind of have the the build by you know over time and share that 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 that, that journey with everybody as you go along. Um, so course. you have you've had that community, you've built it out, and then you've used that you've leveraged it. Seems to be you've leveraged it really well to you know, for product feedback, for uh, you know support, and you know uh, supporting each other on, on on getting your your product implemented, and then also for growth. Um, can you share any maybe some other growth strategies that that have also worked well for for growing Savo, or maybe some failed experiments as well that didn't go as, as you planned? Um, sure. So one of the things that we did was, um, for every SaaS company, right? They have like a premium model that they want to distribute. Um, so what happens with this, any, any company, what they do is that, um, uh, they have like a startup program or like a community program where they give out a certain number of credits of their product for free. Now, the problem with that is that their distribution becomes a challenge. So what we've done is we've created a bundle of um, we've created a bundle of all these, all the uh, SaaS products that a business would want to use, and we give out, give it out. We handle their distribution, and we give it out to their potential partners, so they can use our community as like a um, as like community as a surface, so to say, so uh, to reach the, to kind of uh, improve their distribution and improve their growth in general, because we can reach out to far more people than these guys can. Like, uh, with, we can, of course, we can join hands and have a collaborative way. 
So it's a great growth strategy because we get, uh, we have like a bundle of all the, um, all the SaaS products, all the credits, credits that potentially a card developer or potentially like a SaaS founder would use. We bundle it to them and we give it to you and whatever you have to offer, we take it, bundle it and give it to somebody else. It's like a whole community kind of benefits from each other. That's something that we have, we have done. Uh, one of the things that we did, we created for employer branding, we created a rap song on how you should uh, join Saho. Mm-hmm. Uh, that also worked really well. Uh, yeah, th- those are a few things that we keep doing. It's a young company. Everybody is in their early 20s or something, you know. Uh, nice. Mid-20s is what the average age is. So everybody likes to keep it fun and around. Yeah, and we see you are the guitarist in the background, right? On that one. I want to hear the track. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um Okay, so the, the other last part of this, on the community side, I understand is how, how do you give back? How do you give back to your community? I know your your big you know, initiative is helping you know programs to support technical education. Maybe some some thoughts you can share with maybe other startups listening in. They want to you know, start implementing similar uh, you know functionalities into into their to their business model. Maybe something you can share that you guys are doing well. Yeah, so uh, I mean, for the businesses, you can use a community for um, for driving adoptions. Like if you have a product that's first of all not getting adopted well enough, probably sit with a bunch of developers, uh, sit with them, make the make your documentation better. A lot of developers, um, and you you'd see this that developers are people who like to figure out things on their own, right? They're not people who rely on like somebody coming up and telling them how to do things. So the first thing that they will look for whenever they reach out to product is like the documentation, how well it's written, so that they can look at it and figure out themselves. So documentation is something that you have to improve. They can the community can help you with adoption. They can help you with creating a buzz and engagement, right? If you if you ever um, happen to be on Twitter on S, during SXW SXSW kind of event, you'll realize that the entire community just talks about the conference way too much, right? And everybody joins in. Um, and of course, uh, you know it, it improves with your like I said, right? If you if you're building Savo and if you have it gets stuck somewhere your community can help you, your customers to improve their support, uh, give them the right feedback and the, you know help them navigate. This, this is something that you can do. Now, what you can do business for the community is something which is very simple. First, you have to be very empathetic. Now, empathy is, I can't stress this enough. And if you were to ask like one word, if you have to, like, if there was one word I have to correlate with the word community, it has to be empathy. Because if you don't care about the people who uh, people who are taking who you are taking along for the ride, you can't expect them to to get be- any benefit or any value out of them. Uh, so if you're the the kind of example that I use is that let's say Akil, if there are um, if you subscribe to my newsletter for thirty days, I'm going to send you everything that helps you in your you know organize your life or whatever you you know your my newsletter is about, right? Organize your life, organize your desk. Uh, make like healthy habits, eat healthy, wear healthy, look healthy, whatever. And on the 31st day, I will say, can you fill up this form? For 30 days, I've imparted so much value. I've been so empathetic to you as a like as a community member that you'll feel a little bit on debt uh, towards what I have to offer, right? And and if you can't do that, you will fail. So community is always a long-term game because mm. people are either faking empathy or they just like run out of it. Right. And if you can't do that, if you can't be empathetic, now find whatever is valuable to your community. It could be a Netflix subscription, Spotify subscription, a t-shirt, uh, giving them the um giving them the opportunity. Now, this is what we do at Savo that any community member who has an idea for startup, we not just help them make their uh, their pitch decks, we also associate and uh, kind of uh, put them in touch with our VCs or our VC network, right? So we've uh, we've done an event like this and we'll keep doing something like this where we 
make our community members go from just a developer to a product manager where we help them build their products and maybe as a founder by introducing them uh, to either our VCs or just funding the project by ourselves. Right. So you're not, it's not all about, you know, how can I take and, you know, force my product down a view is like, okay, let's get into their position. Who are these people understanding them? And like, okay, they actually have their own, you know, uh, journey they want to follow. And maybe they're supporting them along the way. And, you know, we'll, we'll be there. Uh, you know, our product is there, when, you know, maybe down the line, if you, if you decide to use it. And I like that. So, you know, you're asking 30 days, it's all about give, 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 you know, uh, 30 times in a row. And then 31 is like, Hey, would you mind, you know, you, you ask for that nice ask. And, you know, hopefully at that point, people are, are willing to give back. So love that, love that analogy. Um, Cherish, um, kind of switching gears here. Love kind of what you shared on the community side. I want to understand, you know, your personal background a little bit, you know, where the business is going and, uh, you know, a couple of rapid fire questions and in terms of, you know, Savo, I know you were, you know, employee number eight, but maybe if you guys, if you can share a little bit of stats on, you know, where you guys are in terms of size today, uh, have you, obviously mm-hmm. you guys looks like you guys have raised some capital. Maybe if you can speak a little mm-hmm. bit about that and the journey about that. Yeah. Um, so we've, um, we raised our first round in, uh, you know, before December last year. Uh, there was a seed fund of 840k, uh, and then uh, we've just closed our Series A, so it should be announced anytime as we speak. Uh, the seed, uh, the Series A round is anywhere between you know six million plus uh, to you know b- between uh, ten, so it, it's, it's between six to ten. Uh, our Series A round, and we've grown from two member. We started with two member team, and then we've grown on to. Uh, 50 plus right now, right? So that's that's where we are at today uh, in terms of size, valuation, and so forth. Uh, we're also going to expand to international marketplaces. So we're looking at stepping, like putting our foot in European markets, Southeast Asia, and also Africa. Because Africa is a very interesting market. It's like India 10 years ago, right? Everybody started to realize the power that they hold in the world on the world stage and everybody's stepping up to the game. Um, and auth- authentication is a, like a big problem, Akhil. It's, it's felt everywhere. It's it's no no matter who you are where you are it's just like you face an OTP or a password level problem. So mm-hmm. uh, we we're entering these marketplaces and we're solving for them. We're kind of building these communities and helping uh, people solve auth as an as a problem for their businesses for their side projects and so forth. Nice. And, and in terms of your vision, I've seen I know, I know you're not the CEO and, and founder, uh, but you know from when you first started Savo, you know at, uh, as as a co-founding member. How would you say has been evolved over time to what it is today? And do, do you understand, you know, is there, is there an exit plan, if any, or do you understand where, where what the long-term vision is of the company? So, so we've, the way we've evolved is that we've tried to expand the product's vision by adding more and more integrations on various platforms. So even if you're a no, no, so if you're a founder who doesn't come from a technical background, if you're a non-tech founder, you have uh, authentications on no-code platforms as well. So you could go to WordPress, uh, Bubble, uh, Shopify, and you can be just plug and flow in the widget and you're through, right? So we've expanded uh, because as a co-founder or as a founder itself, you would want to have auth as a, uh, you want to solve auth as a problem, whether, you, whether you're from a tech background or not. So so that's why we've increased our, our scope of serving to a bigger market. And we also have are releasing two more features. One's called, uh, one's a CAPTCHA, uh, which is going to be very similar to what you know today. And the second is going to be a fast checkout process on um, on an e-commerce or a direct D2C companies where, you know, mm. just authenticate yourself, buy the product, authenticate yourself and out. Because one of the most frustrating ways to authenticate yourself happens when you're making the transaction on an e-commerce website, right? And that that's where a lot of people, uh, a lot of businesses lose revenue because of failed OTPs. So right. if we can fix that, it's going to be a great experience for the customer and it's going to be a great experience for the business as well. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think Amazon is still trying to figure that out. I know they have the, the quick pay, but they also have me doing the authentic- authentication yeah. every time as well. So <laughs> hopefully we can get in with them and fix their problem. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, so, sounds good. Cherish, um, I want to switch gears and, and hit into the rapid fire questions before we wrap up. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You ready for it? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, let's do this. Um, so what's one piece of advice you wish you had known and maybe you would tell your 25-year-old self today if you can go back in time? Um... I think you seem pretty young, so maybe I'll, let's maybe make like 22, 23, maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what I would say, uh, I, I would say, um, um, what I would say is just like, mm, it's very hard to put this in words, right? Because there will be a mm. bunch of uh, advice that I would give myself both professional and personal. Um, so either, or, what, yeah. either or, right? Um, yeah. So as, as a professional uh, uh, advice that I would give myself is that, um, forget what's like before you uh, know what to build, you'll probably, uh, fail a little more and your appetite for failing, uh, should be enough so that you don't break down. So let me try of uh, phrasing this in a better way. As long as you can recover from the next failure, a uh, slightly more improved, as long as you know yourself that much, you should be able to, you should fail far more often before you find the right, uh, right product to build. Mm-hmm. So, it's very hard for a, for an engineer or for a developer or for any co-founder to find the right product that sticks out right from the first get-go, right? So give yourself the time and give yourself the patience and also the the kindness to kind of fail with the slightly more learning and iterate your process, product, process uh, every time you go. It's very, uh, so even if your first product doesn't succeed, even as a first uh, first business idea doesn't take it, make it big, I am for sure, I can tell you this, that you can, there is a learning from that experience that's going to translate directly into your next venture, right? So give yourself that kindness, be an op- be be open to failing, be open to fail, right? And learn mm-hmm. from that failure just enough so that you can go on another day. Just go on another day, that's all. You don't have to think about like whether this will succeed next five years or not. Yeah, don't, don't let it, you know, uh, keep you down for too long, right? I mean, you can you can fall down, but just keep, get, keep getting back up and, and go again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. W- what are some of the biggest challenges you guys are currently facing in order to continue to grow, uh, you know, the, the SaaS business right now? Meaning, what, what keeps you up at night these days? Um, so India is a great market, right? Like we, uh, for last between twenty ten to twenty fifteen, we probably had like two to five um, uh, unicorns, and between we we I think a few weeks ago we had thirty two unicorns in a week, mm. which was insane, which growing at a rapid pace. Now, uh, that being said, right, uh, a lot of uh, the entire market is kind of out there and building um, something which can probably accelerate their career, accelerate their business, and accelerate the entire market in itself. So there are always going to be newer use cases where auth can be implemented. And uh, whether we like it or not, uh, uh, we'll not be able to identify that at all, right? So one of the things is that we always keep an eye for where, where the community is using the product in general. Uh, and then we make sure that if this is a use case that we can potentially serve as we go along, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I would say. And um, it, that's that being said, growth is always like a is is something that we everybody focuses on. Uh, entering international markets is something that uh, we haven't done before, so it's a newer newer uh, game for us. And we're very excited for it. And I'm sure like we'll probably do well because if you're in India, dude, 
India is not a country. India is like a continent, and everybody needs mm-hmm. to understand that that the diversity you have from you know top to down and uh, left to right it's far more than you can consume. People have pe- don't people don't speak the same language. People are eat completely different food, completely different uh, attire. Everything is different, and if you can compete in a market like India, and you do something, you know, you're you're probably something at world stage for sure. Where are you guys planning to head up next? Are you guys going directly to to the U.S. market, or what's the plan? Not U.S. for now. Uh, so we're entering Europe. Uh, we're taking uh, countries like uh, uh, we're starting with uh, London. Uh, we're starting with the U.K., Ireland, uh, Portugal, uh, and then we're also going slightly Eastern European, which is Austria, Ukraine, uh, Switzerland. And um, um, we're Turkey also, and uh, yeah, these countries, and then Southeast we have, of course, Indonesia, Malaysia, uh, um, Singapore, um, and we also have Vietnam, Laos. Yeah, these countries is what we're headed. And in Africa, we'll we'll probably touch it last, which is probably we'll start with Uganda. Nice. Mm-hmm. Who or what are some of the best resources? It could be books, people, you know, mentors, or people you follow. Who you'd say have been the most instrumental to your success over these last few years? Hmm. Um, so a few founders that I really like, and they're very, um, they're very like freely share their knowledge, and they share it in a very um, sensical, like in, they make sense even if you like drill down into it and look for specific specifics, and they even that they make sense even if you're stepping out and step, taking a step back and look at it. Holistically, I'm a huge fan of Naval Ravikant. I think he's a he's a great uh, non he's a very stoic when when he explains things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I uh, I think one of the guys who I really like uh, is also um, uh, Kunal Shah, which is uh, uh, the founder here at uh, Cred in India. Now, wh- one of the things that he's done is built a community of um, credit card holders in India, which is a very small percentage, right? And these people have like a, uh, they spend better, they have better credit score, and they've cre- he's created a peer-to-peer lending platform, which is great, which is something that we need. Mm. Um, I So, g- great fan of Fez. I'm a huge fan of Notion as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Notion's, Notion's yeah. great, yeah. Yeah, one of the things that Notion is doing really well is that they also taking that, uh, remember that example that I gave about iPhone where, people kind of came to their community uh, and started building for their apps. One of the things that Notion does is a lot of their, their great templates uh, were created by a community. And if you're a, if you're a template creator, you can earn. So it's a similar similar thing that happened long ago, right? A very specific way where you target the community, where who builds for your, for your user base. And um, user base consumes what has been built for them by users like them. And that that's, what, that's how you grow. So Ivan um, is Notion's founder, and I think he's doing really well. Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic, and you know, also you know, Navala, I'm a big fall, uh, fan as well. So we'll put those two, uh, three in our show notes for people who want to check them out. I uh, highly recommend it. Church, what does success mean to you today? Whether that's personally, business, financially, life is no right answer. I think success means as long as you're living up to your potential and always stretching it every day at the time, um, and you've got you got yourself into like an automatic flow where you you happy with your living up to your potential and extending it like and reaching it out for another day is what mm-hmm. it is for me, whether it's professional person. If I'm slight, oh, even 0.1% better today than I was yesterday, I think I'm being successful. Mm, nice. Well, this, is, this has been good, Cherish. I appreciate you jumping on the SAS District Show today. Um, final question, anything else you want to add or you know, where can founders get in touch with you and learn more about you and, and Sao Labs? 
Sure. So, uh, if you're a founder, uh, I would love it if you can check out our um, savolabs.com uh, as as a website. If you're a developer, product manager, uh, just a startup enthusiast who's just looking out how Savo works, uh, what is it all about? We also have a Discord community that you can you you, you know welcome to join. Everybody uh, will be you know will extend a helping hand there and we'll make sure that you have a you know have a comfortable time there. Uh, that being said, if you want to get in touch with me, you can reach out to me at um, on Twitter or LinkedIn. My handle um, are very simple. It's just my name, no spaces. Uh, so twitter.com slash cherishantoshi or linkedin.com slash in slash cherishantoshi. Uh, that's as simple as that. Um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, Akhil, uh, thanks for uh, for having me over. This has, this has been great. I was looking forward to your podcast uh, and recording this. Um, it's slightly late. It's just nine, just coming up nine here. Uh, but I was really pumped for this. And you can see this. <laughs> There's no sign of fatigue here. All right. Thank you. Perfect, Akhil. Thanks for having me. Um, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you all for watching this episode and joining SAS District today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell for future episodes where we interview top leaders in the SaaS industry. If you're a SaaS company looking to grow and unlock the true value of your business, get in touch with us at Horizon Capital and myself or one of our consultants will provide a free assessment to help you get there and hit your goals. If you have any feedback or suggestions for this podcast, please comment down below and help us improve our content for you all. Thanks again and see you on the next one.